we are so grateful that you are joining us today. We as a community pray that the Lord would refresh you as you hear today's message. If you would like to support and further the work here in the city, please visit us at www.oasischurchchicago.com or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Now, here's Pastor JP with today's message. Rowdy Sunday. A good Sunday. So rowdy, the worship team's knocking down microphones back here and all sorts of stuff. That's okay. It's a good thing. We're not perfect here. Welcome to church. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. We are not a perfect church, and that's awesome. Amen? Yes. Welcome to Palm Sunday, service at Oasis Church Chicago. I'm going to read scripture here in one second, but you know, Rachel, my wife, she's beautiful. She's amazing. She, uh, she keeps this thing going. And, uh, you know, I was, I was like, should, should I preach a Palm Sunday message? And she was like, very stern, Rachel. I'm like, JP, every church should preach a Palm Sunday message. I was going to preach something, and she's like, we need to talk about Palm Sunday. It is so important. I agree with her. I agree with her. And so we're going to preach this morning a message I, I, I wrote. Uh, I've been battling sickness all week, but the Lord was kind enough to give this to me, um, and I hope it encourages you. As we enter in this week to the Easter week, Resurrection week, I like to call it, I want us to make sure that as you guys leave here and you're dwelling on uh, this week and you're thinking about, man, what Jesus did, I encourage you to read the gospel accounts of what he did and what, what happened leading up to this moment and to the, to the Good Friday and then to Sunday, but... Um, I want to make sure that we have a clear picture, the clearest picture I can articulate of who Jesus is, okay? Because this Palm Sunday, this this message all throughout every account of the Gospels and Luke, he, he, he shows his heart. He shows who he is. And the world wanted something so different, but Jesus showed exactly who he was. And this is not a message, I'm going to be honest with you, that you're going to be like, wow, I maybe never have heard that before. But I pray that this is a message that the Holy Spirit just drops in your spirit, that it becomes alive in you more than ever before. Amen? And so I entitle this, Who Are You Asking For? Who Are You Asking For? I'm going to read two passages, uh, two, two books of the Bible, and I'm going to uh, read out of Mark 11. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 11. Who brought your Bibles? Lift them up. Accountability check. Hold them up. The rest of you all, we're going to pray for you after service. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're awesome. If you have it on your phones, pull it up on your phones. Don't go on Instagram. We have cameras. We see. You're laughing. It's true. There's one right back there. Turn around and look at it. Mark 11. Everyone's like, seriously? And then I want to read Luke. The, the passage I'm going to pull from Luke is, it's the same story, but it's, Luke just tags a little bit more into the end of the story there. So Mark 11, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem, Jesus is with his disciples and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples, these two lucky guys, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you entered it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? 
They answered as Jesus had told them to, because why else would they make up an excuse just to listen to Jesus, right? And the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people then began to spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Imagine that scene. This isn't a small crowd. Jesus, everywhere he went now, late in his ministry, it was a massive crowd. So imagine, you know, a, a room twice the size, four times the size of this, and people shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Powerful proclamation. A shout. They weren't quiet back then. Why are we quiet now? Anyways, another sermon. Luke 19. So this same story happens in Luke, but Luke ties this in. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. What are they saying? Teacher. Because that's all they looked as Jesus at was teacher when he was actually the Savior. And they said, Hey, silence your folk. You can't be yelling like that out here in these streets. People get, people get in trouble for that. Silence them. Rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, because this is how much he is. He's awesome. He replied, if they keep quiet, guess what? The stones will cry out. <laughs> like, like the actual stones. That's how confident Jesus is. He's like, yeah, sure, they can be quiet, but guess what? These stones, these rocks that people just look at and are like, nice rock, man. Those will cry out. Because guess what? He created the rocks. As he approached Jerusalem, and I got to tie this in, and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus, this is your word. I pray, just Father, that you impart to me to be sensitive to what you're saying. God, no matter what's on this note, God, I pray that you'll just speak clearly and that we'll receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Who are you asking for? Uh, right before I entered into Bible college and I answered the call of ministry, I was working in church and I was helping and I was working at a university, but I really answered the call. I actually worked as a, as a sales rep for a, a company. And I did business-to-business -business sales for about a year and a couple months. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was a, it was a new adventure. It was a new job. And, um, and I, I, I was trained by some amazing managers. And any of you that are in sales, you know that, for the first couple months, you're training, and you're really getting to know the product, and you're getting to know what you have to say, and you're getting to know your, your clientele. And luckily enough, I, I walked into a, a, a job that had a big client base, right? I didn't have to go out and search for everybody to come and join and be a part of what I was doing. So I had a great base of people, and the first three months, my manager was with me, and he would go out with me on calls, and he would help me navigate the waters, and he'd mostly do the work, right? I'd just sit there and be like, yo, sell this because I need to get paid. He'd be like, okay, I got you, bro. Hey, that's how it went for the first couple months. And then hey, I graduated. <laughs> I graduated to the moment where he said, hey, Jay, tomorrow you're on your own. I'm on my own? Yeah, you're on your own. Well, me being like competitive, I was like, I got this. Finally, thanks, bro. I fist pumped at him, walked out the door. I went home and I started prepping, right? Because you got to prep for these things, right? If you're going to walk into a business, you better know what's going on at the business, right? You with me this morning? Six of us. Okay. 
If you walk into a place, you better know who you're asking for, what you have to offer, what you need to ask, right? So I'm doing all my research at home. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there on my computer, and I'm, I'm just like writing stuff out, writing notes. I'm determined. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I drive to the first place. And, and why would I decide to just not pick a small client? That's not what JP does. <laughs> JP went for his biggest client. Why? Because I'm a moron. So I pull into this space, my largest account, I walk in with portfolio in hand, suit and tie on, walk up to the reception lady, and I said, hello, Miss Reception Lady, big old smile. I'm JP. She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh. Um, is Mr. So-and-so here? She looked at me. She said, who are you asking for? I said, is Mr. So-and-so here? He's the guy that I, I know is on my account that I need to meet with. I, I know that he's expecting me. She said, son. Who are you asking for? And now I'm like, okay, I'm like fumbling through my notes, looking around like, wait, wait, no, yeah, yeah. Is he here? And she goes, son, you're asking for the wrong person. That dude doesn't even work here. What do you mean? He, there's nobody by that name here. Well, what are you talking about? She said, son, is this your first day? I said, yeah, it's my first day. It was like my sixth month of being there. I was like, yeah, it's my first day. They just threw me through the wolves. She's like, son, go back, look through your notes, get on your laptop, find the right person that you need to get because that guy is not here. And I was like, okay. And I walked out so deflated, so defeated. Maybe this story doesn't make sense to you, but I mean, you're walking in ready and pumped and like eager and I know exactly who I'm asking for and what I need. And I show up and I ask for the wrong person not even in the vicinity of the facility. This was the guy that was my next visit at the other location of place of business. I had the wrong guy. Had the wrong guy, flat out. And she wasn't gonna help me. You know those secretaries, those receptionist ladies? They're bosses. They're bad dudes. They are gatekeepers. I was like, but can I just come in? She's like, son, you take one more step, over. I was like, okay, lick my wounds and come back tomorrow. I read the story of Palm Sunday. It's the same thing. The people of God, they're asking for somebody. They're asking for somebody to come, but they're asking for the wrong person. In all reality, what the people of God are asking for, they're asking for, for immediate release. They're asking for the person that can help their needs right now. They're asking for, for the guy that can set them free in that moment to release them from the Roman Empire, to release them from the things that have been holding them down for far too long. They just wanted a release now. Who are you asking for in life? See, I think we got to understand, who are we truly asking for? Are we asking for just to fix me right now, Jesus? Are we asking for the blue light, Jesus, when the cop lights come on? You're like, dear Lord Jesus, help me right now in the name of Jesus. Just get me out of this. Oh, Heavenly Father, I love you. I'll never do this again. I'm, don't fake it like some of you been there before. No judging, just telling. Like, what are we, what are, who, are, who are we asking for? These people, they're, they're, they, they, we have the story. They didn't. They were living in the story. And I'm not judging. I'm not mad at them. I, I want to learn from them. But they're crying out, they're rejoicing, they're praising, they're like, yes, he's here, the right guy is here, finally we're going to set free. 
And Jesus is like, nah, you're missing it. <laughs> you all are missing it. Everyone who lined the streets had a different reason for waving those palms. Some were political activists. They heard Jesus had a supernatural power and they wanted him to use it to free Israel from the Roman rule. Others had loved ones who were sick or dying. They waved branches hoping for physical healing. Some were onlookers merely looking for something to do while others were genuine. I believe that. Followers who wished Jesus would establish himself as an earthly king. Jesus was the only one in the parade who knew why he was going to Jerusalem to die. He had a mission. He had a mission while everyone else had an agenda. Jesus Christ, that's a really good place to say amen. Jesus Christ had a mission while everybody else just wanted Jesus to fix their agenda. He had a mission, and you know what the mission was? You. You. Me. He was on mission to save humanity. Wow. This is really... Jesus came. He came on a mission. Palm Sunday was a mission. To come and enter into a city because he knew where he was going. He wasn't going to a party. He wasn't going to a big palace. He knew where he was going. He was going to a cross. But he went all the way. And the people, they wanted something else. Are we this way? If we're being honest. Yeah. Is JP this way? Oh, yeah. You know, I was thinking about this when my son's screaming in the middle of the night. I'm like, Lord, I need you now. Do something in this moment now. I need you to fix this right now. And he's like, JP, I have. I've given you and Rachel the ability to be parents, so just pick your son up and love him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Who are you asking for? I, I want to show four things, and then we're done about who Jesus really is. In this moment, I, I, I see his whole heart. And I hope you see it too. The first thing that I see that Jesus flips the script is, it's basic, but it's real. Jesus is obedient, not overbearing. Thank you. Jesus is obedient and not overbearing. I wrote earlier and I, I deleted it, Jesus is obedient and not oppressive. Oh, I hear it all the time. Oh, he's just trying to hold me down. Oh, that Jesus, I can't give him my life because if I give him my life, I can't do all this other stuff. Guess what? Yeah, you can't. So don't, don't, don't serve him. Just keep doing what you're doing, right? He's not oppressive. He's obedient. He's not overbearing. He's obedient. Jesus is obedient in this moment. It says in verse 2, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you doing this, say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back shortly. Jesus gave back the donkey, the colt. I never read that like that. He's like, I'll just give it back to him shortly. That's awesome. <laughs> he didn't keep it. He was so obedient. He's just like, I'll give it back to him eventually. He'll be back. I read this and I think, man, you're just always telling your disciples what to do. Man, you're just so overbearing. You have an overbearing friend, do not look to the person next to you. We, we, we know people that, right? My hand's raised because I know one. <laughs> Me. <laughs> to her. <laughs> She'll tell you. I'm super overbearing. I'm like, Rach, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to get this. We need to get that. And she's like, son, son. She's, <laughs> she's raising two children. <laughs> that's the truth. She's like, babe, babe, that's who I really am. 
She's like, breathe, breathe. I'm like, no, we need to, we need to get this out. We need that. She's like, yo, get the brown bag, start breathing. I'm overbearing. I know that. We all have people in our lives that are overbearing. Jesus is not overbearing. He's kind, and he's gentle, and he's soft. He's righteous, and he's true, but he's obedient. See, the Palm Sunday moment, Jesus shows his full obedience to God the Father. He says in that moment, I really believe, he's like, okay, God the Father, it's time right now. This is the time that this starts. This starts my week to the cross. Man, okay. Hey, disciples, come here. Because I'm just listening to my Father. I'm just listening to what my Father tells me. See, Jesus Christ was obedient all the way to getting on a colt and riding it into his death and burial. He's not overbearing. You know who else I see in this? is It's so powerful because, because Jesus is obedient. So in return, who else is awesome in this story? It's the disciples, those two. The two that Jesus said to him, hey, go to the town. There's going to be a, a, a donkey and a colt. Get the, get the colt, untie it, and if they ask you what you need it for, say Jesus needs it and bring it to me. Today, that's called theft. I'm like, yo, Pastor Jordan, I, I, I need a car. I need you to go down the street to the neighbors. Just get in it. Put the ignition, key in the ignition. Just tell them it's for pastor. We'll bring it back. Promise. They'd be like, 911? Jesus was obedient, but those disciples were obedient. They didn't care what they were going to look like. I'm sure they were walking like, yo, dude, what did we just get ourselves into? Why did we get picked for this? How come we are always the one to do this crazy stuff? Why? Because I think those two were the most faith-filled. Hmm. They were the most obedient. Jesus said, hey, do, do this. And they were probably like, okay, cool, whatever you say. Because what happens was is they watched Jesus be obedient every moment of his life on earth with them and with people around them. Jesus' character did not change, even on Palm Sunday. He said, okay, God, the Father, you're telling me to go. I'm going to be obedient. And in return, his disciples caught obedience. See, when you get close to Jesus, you become more obedient. You don't look as, at Jesus as, man, he's just so oppressive. He's just holding me down. He's just telling me all these rules and regulations that are in this Bible. I can't flow with that. I can't go with that. Guess what? It's actually easy when you understand how good it is. When you actually understand how good it is, it's easy to follow. It's easy to get on board. This, this is why, like, okay, let me just say this because this is not here. But this is why people keep the church at arm's length. Because the disciples saw Jesus. They saw his heart. They understood that he was being obedient. You with me on this? They understood his character. They truly got a picture of who Jesus was. They were so close to him that they followed him. They were obedient to him. This is what happens when you get close to someone. You get to see who they are. And this is why people walk into the church and they're like, oh, I can't really do this. I got to keep it at arm's length because if the church found out what I was actually doing yesterday, they won't be allowing me in the doors. Guess what? Yes, we will. What you did last night, you're welcomed here today. That's a louder place for every person that calls this place home, a louder amen. This is not a church where we close our doors to anybody just because of what they did last night or last week or last month or what they believe. This is a church that's obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ and our doors are open to every single person that walks through these doors because we see how Jesus was obedient to the Father. We're gonna be the same way. I'm preaching this morning a message of hope. Jesus' character is filled with obedience and his obedience wants to flow into your lives. He wants to show you, hey, walk with me, talk with me, lean into me, press into me. When it's hard, when the fire's raging, sit with me. 
Because I got you. I got you. Who are you asking for? What Savior are you actually asking for? The second thing I see in this is Jesus is a peacemaker, not power hungry. Jesus is a peacemaker. Church, let me say this before I even teach this point. If you call yourself a Christian, be a peacemaker. Church, if you call yourself a peacemaker, be a, if you call yourself a believer, be a peacemaker. Amen. Amen. You see riff happening in front of you? Be a peacemaker. You see gossip happening? Shut it down. Yo, shut gossip down. Even in the workplace. Well, they don't go to my church. I can talk about them all day long. No, you can't. Be a peacemaker. And I'm yelling it. <laughs> Jesus is a peacemaker. See, okay, in verse 7, it says, When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. The time of this right now was Passover. It was Passover time. And so there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people gathered in Jerusalem to remember what God of creation did for them when they were slaves in Egypt. It was a remembrance time. It was a mind, it was a time to like, oh, this is what happened. This is what God did for us. This is what's going on. And so it was a celebration of remembrance. And so there's a massive crowd of people. It's a chaotic scene. Are you with me this morning? Just don't think like small. Think very big. People everywhere. And God saved his people countless times, and they knew it. They knew the stories. They could remember their ancestors telling them, oh, hey, the sea split wide open, and we walked across dry land, and we were free. But they still were missing it. Because they wanted a God to save them then, right now. And, and in that time, you know, they're controlled by the Roman Empire, and those soldiers didn't play. <laughs> if you read history about the Roman Empire, it's a crazy, crazy thing. It's a massive army. And Pilate shows up during this time from the West, and he comes with his, I'm teaching Bible, okay? I'm not yelling and screaming, this is Bible 101. Okay, so he shows up from the west like, yo, there's going to be a bunch of people, a bunch of people of Israel gathered together in this town. Hey, let's just go and show them how mighty we are so they don't start to cause some trouble. So Pilate shows up from the west with horses and chariots and drums and armor and swords. And it's just like, yeah, hey, do whatever you want, celebrate, but if you get out of line, you know what's coming. So the army of, uh, of the Roman Empire is there. And then off to the east, <laughs> you got this guy with 12 dudes, 12 young dudes. Don't miss that ever. These boys were like teenagers, and they were dumb. You can't say that in church. Yes, I can. Read the Bible. They weren't always hitting the mark. And Jesus is off, and he's like, yo, guys, time's now. Hey, two of you, go get this. Put me on this thing. And I, I love Jesus, right? Because the people wanted someone to come in with a roaring, like, like shout and roaring parade of people following. And Jesus is like, hey, go get me a colt. <laughs> ah! A colt that has never been ridden before. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you're Jesus. You want us to get you a colt? Not like even a donkey. A colt? Like, 
like, I can get you a donkey. Nope, give me a colt. And one that's never been written for, true story. I was with the admissions team real fast. I was working at, at a university. I was with the admissions team. And for whatever reason, my boss planned a, a time for us to go do team building, and it was riding horses. <laughs> Why? Leaders, don't ever take your team to go ride horses on team building events. I don't get it, right? A lot of things happen. But the funniest thing happened in my life. You, you all remember Pastor Morris Crawford. It came a couple weeks back. I'm going somewhere with this. It's him and me and this, this, this guy, Brad, and Brad is one of the funniest guys in the world, and Brad is a big dude, and he makes no bones about it. He's just like, he, that's, that's who he is in my line. But I'm, Brad is the funniest dude. He is a big guy. And we're standing there, and the first horse they bring out is this Clydesdale. No joke. Like a Clydesdale. I got a picture. I'll bring it. Like it's this massive Clydesdale horse. And we're all looking at the guy, the, the, the horse trainer guy, whatever you call him, stable owner, and, and, um, and, 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 and we look down the road, and we look at Brad, and Brad's got this big smile on his face like, yeah, that's my horse, and they're like, hey, you, and they point to Lamorse, and we're like, no, 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 you want this guy on that horse, and they're like, yeah, well, come here, and so Lamorse is like, Brad got you, and he walks up, and so a couple more horses come out, me and Brad are the last two left. <laughs> This is a true story. I couldn't even plan it better on Palm Sunday. They bring out a colt. <laughs> a colt. A little colt. And they bring this thing out, and this thing just looks like it's about to die. I'm so sorry. But this thing is like, why am I out here? Just keep me in there. And I'm like, Brad, I'll take this one for the team. I got you, man. Like, I got you. And he's like, yeah, please, please, please don't let me. And the guy points right at Brad. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> and he's like, Brad, come here. This is your horse. <laughs> Brad, Brad gets on this horse, gets up on this horse, and the poor horse's legs buckle. <laughs> buckle as God is my witness. And it's like, it's like buckling. And I was like, Brad, you're going to kill the horse. True story. He got 20 minutes on the ride that was supposed to be an hour, and the horse just laid down. <laughs> it was like, I knew it. I knew it. It's the funniest thing ever. Colts aren't cool. <laughs> And they're not meant to carry a lot of weight. They're not meant to be a, something that you walk in with like, yo, I'm on my horse. People would look at Jesus like, wait, hmm. we've been asking for a king to come. We've been asking for a savior to come. And you're riding on that thing? Where's the real horse? Where's the chariot? But Jesus is not power hungry. He is not. He is a peacemaker. He is humble. He does not need to ride in on a massive horse, on a Clydesdale, because he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is righteous. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is a peacemaker. He is not looking to grab power from the authorities of this earth. He is over the authorities of this earth. He's a peacemaker. And he rides in. People lay their palm branches down in their cloaks to say, like, yeah, you're here. Cool, 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 cool. And then they continue, and they begin to shout words that are so famous. Hosanna! Hosanna! I hear it in them, because I cry like that sometimes. Hosanna! God! You know what Hosanna means? Save me now. Save me now. Hosanna! 
He's here. He's going to save us right now. This is it. He's going to ride into town. He's going to up. Oh, he's just going to upheave the, the powers of the Roman Empire. We're going to be free finally. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But Jesus, the third thing, is not a, just the Savior of just now. He's the Savior of eternity. He's not the Savior of just trying to fix your needs right now. He's trying to heal your soul. Okay, let me say that again. He's trying to change and save your soul. You got issues, you got problems. Jesus wants to heal that, but he first wants to heal your soul. He wants to change your eternity. He wants to give you a hope and a future and something to look to and say, that is where my help comes from. That is who I serve. Jesus was not going to answer their cry. This is a message. Jesus was not going to answer their cry of, save us now. He had a mission. Remember? He could have driven. I believe Jesus, he's so powerful, he could be like, all right, cool. You want to be saved now? Hey, Roman Empire, whoop. I don't know what that was, but. I believe Jesus could have blown on the empire and the whole empire could have fallen down. Okay? But he didn't. Because he had a mission. He had to be sacrificed. He had to take your sin and my sin to a cross. And Jesus said, yo, hey, listen. I'm not just saving you for right now. If you just want right now, you're missing it. Because see, what happens is, is when you get your fix, what's next? Real talk. Church people, you get your fix, and you're good. I got my fix. I feel the, I feel the vibes today. True story. I hear it all the time. True story. It's funny. It's truly funny. I, I see that. I'm like, that's awesome. Can you give me some of those vibes? Like, I just feel it in my bones today. I just feel alive today. Yeah, guess what? What happens when you don't feel it? Are you still going to cry out for Jesus to save you now, or are you going to cry out and say, Jesus, you're my eternal Savior? today. I put my hope in you no matter what my day looks like. I put my hope in you no matter what's going on in my life. I put my hope in you no matter what's all around me. I put my hope in you when I'm sick. I put my hope in you when I'm hurting. I put my hope in you when I'm broken and when I can't make myself get up out of bed. I put my hope in you, Jesus. Hello. He is not here just to save you right now. He is here to save you for eternity. This is who Jesus is. Ben, come on up. This is who he is. And if you miss this, you're going to miss the whole story. These people just wanted him to just physically save them. Just save me. And I don't, listen, listen, it's okay to pray prayers when you're in a jam. It's okay to cry out to God when you're hurting. I, don't miss this, please. But if that's the only time, you're missing it. These people missed it because the only time they were crying out, Hosanna, 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 was right then. Was right then. Oh, it's Passover week. God must have set the Savior fine. He's here. The king's here. He's ready to do it. But who were they asking for? The wrong Savior. Is this making sense? I feel like I'm... The fourth thing. I imagine the crowd going from Hosanna, Hosanna, to watching Jesus go with his guys. And Jesus, Scripture says, you know, it continues, and then he goes and he weeps. Over Jerusalem, I imagine the crowd going, wait, 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 wait. We were just chanting for you. Where, where, are, you, where are you going, bro? Right? Wait, 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 hold on. We just laid our cloaks down for you. We just laid palm branches. Where are you going? Right? You ever, been, like, wait, I thought you were coming here. Where are you at? Anybody? Like, I'm like, Rach, I thought you were coming home. Where are you? She's like, I'm at Target. I'm like, okay. Like, where are you going? Where are you going? You're, you're supposed to save us now. And I imagine the roar of people going, Hosanna, 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 started to murmur, who's this dude? Who's this dude? He claims to be the king and the savior. 
Oh, because they heard about the miracles. I imagine the people started going, yo, this guy's whack. Okay, like, this guy's whack. And I imagine them saying, or begin to say, yo, we need to take care of this guy. He's not going to save us. He's just going to make a mess for us. The Roman Empire is going to be ticked even more. Crucify him. Crucify him. The same people that were screaming Hosanna began to murmur the words, crucify him. Crucify him. See, when Jesus doesn't come through for you the way you want him, what words are you saying about him? That is a truth that will resonate for eternity. What are you asking him for? Who are you asking for? And as they're murmuring those words, as they're saying those things, I see the fourth thing, and it's the best thing about Jesus' heart. Jesus is compassionate, not controlling. He is, so, he is so compassionate. He's so kind. He's not trying to control you. He's not do whatever you want to do, but he's there, compassionate. It says that he approached Jerusalem and saw the city. He wept over it. And in verse 32, and said, even if you had, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. As he approached Jerusalem, in verse 41, he saw the city and he wept. Show me another God that's wept. I'm not playing today. Show me another God that's wept over your life. That stood out to the city and just wept. Because he saw his people. He says, I'm actually here for you, but you're not even receiving me. And he wept. Tell me someone that's wept over your life. I have so much I want to say, but at the end of the day, Palm Sunday, Jesus is compassionate. He goes and he weeps. He weeps because his heart is for them. His heart is for you. His heart is broken. He's like, yo, if they just would know what I'm about to do, if they would just follow me, if they would just come and give me their lives, they wouldn't have to live this way. They wouldn't have to constantly live on the high highs and the low lows. They could just be steady. They could be firm. They could not be shaken. They could just walk with me every day. They can talk with me every day. I can give them confidence. I can give them assurance. I can give them identity. I can give them hope. I can give them a future. I can give them passions. I can give them desires. I am a compassionate God. I am slow to anger, abounding in love. This is who I am so I'm going to weep over my people. If that doesn't break your heart, I don't know what will. That a God in heaven sent his son Jesus and he wept over you. He didn't stop there though. <laughs> he didn't stop. Give the Easter message today, right? Is this encouraging you all this morning? Who are you asking for? Who do you really want? Do you want them to fill your bank account? That's it? 
Do you want him to give you that boyfriend or that girlfriend? That's it? Or do you want your life changed? Like, do you want your life from the inside out actually changed? Like, do you want to breathe new air? Do you want to have vision for your life that you've never seen before? Do you want to have something in front of you that you couldn't even comprehend, that it's only Jesus? Like, who are you asking for? He made his entrance. He walked in. Low-key, chill, completely against what everybody else wanted. Because that's who Jesus is. He's not power hungry. He's compassionate. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes with me this morning? Jesus, man, Jesus, I pray that this message never gets old. We don't need all the glitz. We don't need all the glamour. We don't need some crazy running around. But the message of your heart stays true. That you're our Savior. And you're our King. And you didn't come like the rest of them. You came just like who you are meant to be. So Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that Who you are, Jesus, will come alive in each and every heart. That people will have the right perception, the right understanding, a grip, a firm grip of who you are. That you're not overbearing. You're obedient. You're not angry with us, but you're kind. That you want to heal, that you want to restore, that you're weeping over our lives. When we we were lost, you, you went looking for us and you found us. Jesus, on this Palm Sunday, we remember and we thank you for what you did for our lives. We thank you that you could have said, no, this is too hard. This is too much. I'm done. I I can't do this, God. But you kept going. You didn't stop. And I pray, God, that that message will break people in this place. So, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, God, that you stand with us in the storm, that you stand with us in the fire, that you stand with us in the raging sea, that you overwhelm every storm in our life, God. We praise you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, come on, and everybody says, come on, it's only right that we worship the Lord going out this place this morning. Come on, can we just sing this with everything we got? Can we worship the King of kings, the Lord, the great I am? Come on.